0: the MAFSI podcast, is produced by the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference, an all-volunteer, always-nonprofit group of firefighters training other firefighters. We invite you to visit our website at www.maffc.org, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We must acknowledge the following sponsors without whom MAFSI couldn't exist. Scott Safety, Motorola, Delta Airlines, Georgia Fire and Rescue Supply, Blackman Mooring, 10-8 Fire Equipment, MES, Columbia Southern University, and Tempest Technology. Lastly, if you would like to make a tax-deductible donation and support our mission of building better firefighters, please find us on our GoFundMe page. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the participants' own and do not reflect the views of any organization the participant may be affiliated with, including but not limited to the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference and the Metro Atlanta Fire Officers Association.
1: All right. This is uh, our fourth podcast uh, on the combustible, massy combustible podcast. Um, I'm uh, Mike Hatcher. Hatch. Uh, work for a major metropolitan department. Been on for 24 years. Uh, also have with me uh, Shane Dobson and Bill Voorhees. Uh, I'll let them go ahead and introduce themselves.
0: Uh, I'm Bill Voorhees.
2: And I'm Shane Dobson. <laughs> well, I'm just back. like that, was, that. That was. Uh, also
0: with the major metropolitan department, just like the other three times that we've done this. You guys are getting to know our voices. So,
1: that, That's it? You're done?
0: Okay. I'm done. I All right,
1: we're done. in a beautiful Houston in the uh, ground zero of East Coast Rescue Solutions headquarters. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful, well-put-together uh, fabrication shop uh, here. And uh, (laughs) he agrees. We (laughs) are lucky to have with us a salty truck captain from a major metropolitan department, 20-year veteran of uh, the fire service, uh, Rick Myers. Glad to have you with us. Rick. I'm glad to be here.
3: I love being in my shop. I'm glad to have y'all in my shop. Actually, you know, I
2: think we wanted to do it. I thought the shop would be like a super comfortable spot for everybody. Yeah, very comfortable here. I'm glad we did it here. I think that's pretty cool. Right,
1: right. We've kind of learned from our experiences to kind of put you in a comfortable
0: spot because we're going to ask you uncomfortable questions.
3: Uh, there's no such thing as an uncomfortable question, in my opinion.
2: Just uncomfortable answers. answers that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be uncomfortable
3: on your end, not
1: mine. <laughs> so people that aren't uh, mm-hmm. students at Massie haven't come to Massie or haven't been lucky enough to participate in one of your classes, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: <sighs> 27-year veteran, as you said, of a major metropolitan department. Um, been on heavy rescues a good, predominant, a good majority of my time on the job then moved into as an officer, engine companies, truck companies, special operations is kind of a passion, but yet so is truck work. Um, When you come to MAFSI, my thing in training, no matter what be MAFSI or or just on the job or in my company, you'll get realistic training. There's nothing that's simulated to the best of our ability in a controlled environment um, if you come to one of our classes.
0: Rick, you you've been, unless I'm mistaken, you've been an instructor at every MAFSE. Is that correct? I think that would probably.
3: Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm almost. Applied, the I, I would think, think so. The second. One. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. How, I can't remember. How did you get pulled in? Wow, I don't. I, we sold them. I think we sold Cobb a prop, and been talking to him for a good time. I don't, I don't really know, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I don't even know how we got to know um, the chief there. Um, tanks,
2: Willie Tanks. Right. That's a great question. Well, he'd have been working with DOB at that time because we were all working part-time at Roswell, and that was in that, the beginning stages I of I don't masses, even know if DOB so. was
1: with him at the first, in the very, very beginning, their first teaching t- 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 classes. So no. The, for the rest
0: of the listeners, who is DOB?
1: Dennis O'Brien, yeah. sorry. So You'll a- know DOB. Right. <laughs> It's just so easy to say. It just rolls off the right. tongue. Look into right. this in the future.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I would hate to speak on that because I really okay. can't remember. It was that long ago. Well,
0: what keeps you coming back?
3: The training. Okay. The people. It's our back door. Um, and I enjoy it. I, I, any, any conference that we can come to um, that gets the word out, which is what our ultimate goal is and everybody on the fire service in this type of capacity is we want to spread the word. And the only way to do that is through conferences. And I think the MAFSI has got a great thing coming, great thing, um, inexpensive way to draw the the masses in from all over. I've seen people from as far west, east, north, um, that come to that. And it's, it's just, I like to be able to interact with a lot of different cultures because all over the United States is a different culture and a different department. And it's great to be able to interact with those type of individuals and train them. And you see the need for that, too, in all aspects of the job. At this at this point, I think, as we were talking earlier, I think um, we're losing the trades amongst the guys coming in. Um, they don't They don't have the trades that they used to have back when we came on. If not, if not having a trade going in, but as a rookie and getting other jobs, you start pulling in trades to learn to be a better fireman, and I think that really makes you defines you as a better fireman knowing a lot of different trades. And by trades, you
1: mean like you know, can build
3: houses or construction, construction, and just learning the basics of tools, hand tools. When I
0: got sent to training, one of the the eye opening things was that uh, we had a group of recruits in the door, and many of them had never started a chainsaw, never had started a lawnmower. You know? And that was kind of, those were things that you just kind of took for granted that yes, you're an 18-year-old person, you've started a chainsaw before. But that's increasingly, like you said, harder and harder to find. Is the,
3: word, is the word out there now that I've learned through this upcoming election, the millenniums? Is that the millennium? Millennials.
1: Millennials? Millennials.
3: Millennials. That are coming in, basically the Xbox generation that we said basically have learned everything through xbox i think nothing that they're putting their hands on other than a joystick
0: i've got two of those at home
3: sure we all do <laughs> we all do and you try to pull them i try to pull my son and he does he works in the shop only because i want to give him something to take out right. just like we do on the job when we when we raise kids as a as a captain or as an officer raising kids in your company
2: luke had not got a hold of a chainsaw yet Luke asked for a hold of the chainsaw. Well, I think we ought to go ahead and let him have it. <laughs> how old is he?
0: 12. Perfect.
2: Oh. <laughs> Great idea. Take the chain Can't off start and taking,
0: let him go to town. The, uh, he came to me uh, last week. and I'm, I think I'm ready out for out the this, blue, Dad. Well, out of the blue, comes to me. And I'm downstairs in the basement working. He says, uh, Dad, how old do I need to be to use a pickaxe? a little bit older. Right Why is he using a pickaxe? Uh, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> no Was idea. he going to a parade? <laughs> no idea. But he wanted a pickaxe. I'm <laughs> so, driving in you know I you not know
3: they even use those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How long has uh, East Coast been in business? Ooh, five years. I'd say maybe going on our sixth, sixth year. Right. So that's time flies. I, I didn't realize I've been retired for two years. Okay. So that, so, that would put
1: it about the second year. It sounds like. Yeah,
0: because this is our. We may be embarking on Yeah, I'm gonna say we may be embarking on seventh. That's right
3: it's i never i never i don't do the books so i don't look at the fiscals all i do is build um, and teach so i'm a hands on guy yeah I, i'm not, i don't have the intelligence for sitting in front of a computer and writing writing uh, bids and you know just Tell me what you want, and we'll figure out how to build it. I
0: don't know that's intelligence. I think that's more chalked up to endurance. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> to Sit yeah. in front of a computer. I, I got endurance. Oh. This is discipline. This is there you go. Discipline. That's not point endurance. Point. I got the endurance. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, but it's yeah, the discipline
3: um, to sit in front of a computer.
1: This yeah. sit in the red band version, so let's keep it.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the? How'd you decide to get into the fire service? So, I was in high school.
2: That's good. High school
3: where? <laughs> Henderson High School. Shamley, Georgia. Shambly. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: No
0: idea. Yep. Henderson High
3: that. School. Went there in the 10th grade. Moved here from California.
0: What year was this?
2: <sighs> this is where we dated. Yep. <laughs> I'm not good with math. So I, exactly. Graduated I graduated in 82. Home. Okay.
3: So, it was um, 80. 79-ish, 79-ish, 80. And, um... I didn't have a direction, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I didn't have the education. I went to school to chase. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: um, and I, I really wish, and we, we'll get into that as far as education. Um, I wish I would have focused more on that, but I, I, I was young, dumb, and, you know. So, I didn't have a direction, I knew it. And there was a car wreck out front of the school one night and went down an embankment. It was a pretty well-involved pin job. And I'm sitting there watching them. Can I say you get a boner? Sure, Sure. you've done it. (laughs) (laughs) It's on there now, (laughs) man. It was just, you know, to see what what all went into that. It intrigued me. Right. So, um, right out of high school, I went to the cab and applied for a job. I I don't know why I chose the cab because I knew it was a busy department at the time, and it may have been. I don't even know if I researched who was being paid more didn't even uh, matter, did it? I don't think it did at the time.
2: And that was 82 83, 82? Probably
3: 83. Okay. And so went through the whole process. I was at the polygraph and but it, and asked certain questions that they didn't like to hear. And <laughs> <laughs> They yeah. said, For you got to come back. He is biting his tongue all the way through this. It is killing him. They said, through. in six months, come back. And I said, uh, it crushed me. It really did. Right. And I, I did well on all of it. And they said, come back in six months.
2: Plus, you kind of made that decision. This is, oh, yeah. this is what I want to do. This is
3: what I want to do. Because right. I'd seen a number of situations. So, at the time, I was working at a warehouse. And uh, broke up with a girlfriend at that point. And I said, you know what? I'm going to Coast Guard. So I um, tried out for the Coast Guard, went and took the ASVAB test. And you had to score an 80 in order, on that test. I just remember that. I don't, I don't even remember. It was just you know the basics. And I scored a 79. So I called the recruiter, and he said, can't do it. I said, one point, nope, can't do it. We only take 30,000 people. You can go to any armed forces you want. I said, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to do aviation rescue. And, um, so that didn't work. I thought, man, another beat down and got pulled over by Gwinnett County police at a new stop sign that they just put in by my subdivision, trying to talk my way out of the ticket and start talking fire department. He said, you know what? He said, if you want to get onto a fire department, which is what we were talking about, he said, I just left the city of Atlanta. And I knew of another guy that was with, with, with this particular department and, and, um, and I said, you know what? He said, they're hiring. So okay. So I went and put in my application, and two years later, I was on this major metropolitan department.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we won't worry about it.
3: <laughs> <clears throat> so that's, that's how I got into fire service.
1: And how lucky for them that, you know, for you, setbacks, but the setbacks actually led you in a direction that you were ultimately yes, very successful absolutely. in.
3: Uh, again, well, we, we spoke about this off. It, everything happens for a reason. Everything, but I've been through so many situations that are proven that everything happens for a reason. Yeah, I agree so all that. of those particular setbacks weren't necessarily setbacks, <clears throat> it was just another challenge in my life to see how bad I really wanted it. And it took, I was in car sales for five years maybe. So I went right out of high school, that's the only job I could have, I wasn't educated, obviously, didn't have a college education, wanted to get into sales. Took many sales jobs. And then the only thing I could find was a car business. So, um, What kind of car? Mitsubishis. Sweet. <laughs> and, then, and then we opened Atlanta Toyota. I moved to Atlanta Toyota with a general manager. That's um, so, all a plug for Mitsubishi or Atlanta Toyota. By <laughs> way. It just is what it what, is. Whatever. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, so so you are uber successful at that? I was very successful. Got into management. Got into f and I was managing people double my age. Um and then finally the city I've pretty much given up on this particular department and they called and said Are you ready for a job I said absolutely one dropped it right there yep and that was in 88
1: <clears throat> So uh as you come into the department you go through recruit school did you graduate uh, what, you know did you? how long were you a firefighter
3: How long was I a firefighter at this particular department yeah which is uh, there's only been one department I've been a firefighter for um Hmm.
1: Again, I keep asking these math questions. It's, it's killing you. Isn't it?
3: No, I don't keep up with time. I, my, I don't. I, I don't care.
2: I think there may be some beauty to that. Time is, is not is a. a, a the it's only just, thing I didn't like want. I, from, let me tell uh, you this. I this is I what. Like I, that. This is what
3: I did not want. This is what I told myself time throughout my.
1: Matter. Oh, cause got a cock on my cell phone, man. Oh man, <laughs> I do I we have watch. to do
2: the movie thing? So,
3: can we get back to this question the hand? Let's just start So. The only thing I told myself is I didn't want to ever top out in one position. So I never topped out as a firefighter before I made lieutenant. Topped out and pay. Mm-hmm. So I, when you top out in 10 years? Oh, yeah. so, so maybe top eight top years. Maybe eight years I was a lieutenant. Took two tests. One test I scored number 17 on the list. The next one – no. Yeah, the next one was 11. So the 17, they only promoted 13 lieutenants in that list. The next one I made 11, and they scored they, – they hired – I mean, I think they promoted 99, I, I believe something like that.
0: So, why did you end up taking the tenants test? Ooh, because I I wanted to
3: be a boss. I didn't like what I'd seen, and well, I didn't. There was a lot of people just sitting around doing nothing, and I just felt like that there was. I needed to learn something as a firefighter. And the only way to control that, you can complain about a situation all you want to, but if you don't come up with a solution, there's no point in complaining, right?
1: Oh, yeah. You yeah. agree with that? I'm 100% <laughs> on board with that. I mean, we're all 100% of that.
3: So I wanted to be a solution. And that's been my goal ever since I've been on the job.
0: See, we've, we've had. In a many different capacities. Uh, Hatch brought up, I think, in our first podcast, that a lot of people now pursue promotion because it's the only way they can increase their pay.
3: Oh. It's 25 cents. Really? Realistically, it's like 25 cents you made one step,
0: yeah. an hour. It's, a, it's just, it's a different. You know, yes. And we've all got motivations for why we've pursued yes. whatever. I yep. was just interested where, where yours was. So. That's and good.
3: when, then, so if you want to go further with that in, in that question, so you start as a lieutenant, obviously you're, you're under the command of a captain. And basically, you, you are his secretary. That's the way I took it. As my lieutenant, I wanted to be- Great positive spin on that. <laughs> well, that's,
1: it's pretty
0: universal. It's, absolutely. You know, I, was, I wanted to
1: make sure- You can apprentice, that he's teaching <laughs> you how to be a captain.
3: He
0: says, no, I'm a secretary. The, secretary the lieutenant, the lieutenant <laughs> did all the paperwork.
3: Absolutely. I want my learning how to do that. <laughs> first, I wanted to learn how to do, because that was exactly, you're learning how to do the paperwork, which is important. Um, but more than anything, I had a senior captain. And I said, this guys he's done his job, he's, he's done his role, now it's time for him to chill. You and I did everything, I took care of him. Yeah. Everything, other than on fires, I think he got a little upset sometimes, but you know, that's just the way it is. So, <laughs> but, but in the house, in the house, I said, Cap, you ain't gotta touch nothing. I got it. You don't have to touch nothing. You stay in your room and do whatever you want to. And if you wanna, I did the training, I did the book work, I did the runs, whatever. So I said, one day I want to be that job. Not that I want to sit around and do nothing. Now I was a complete different captain. Obviously, at this point, now times have changed because there's no longer senior. A lot of youth went into the officers on the job. So you had to pretty much be more engaged with the company as a captain than back in those days.
0: Right.
3: So it's a whole different world. But I wanted to be, I wanted to be the boss of the company. Will it be four guys in a single house or will it be eight guys in a double house? I wanted to be the boss because I have ways I wanted to run a company. And unfortunately, there's not a uniform way in any department to that a, a captain runs a company. I think there are some departments that have tradition that they pretty much stand by, which is a dying breed. But in the South, I doubt very seriously there's, a, there's one way that a company is to be run. And I, I want to run a company the way I want to run it. And the only way you do that is to be a captain. Right. So that was my motivation. And I wanted to well, I really. That's legit. And I wanted to ride the car. I wanted to be. At some point in, in my career, I wanted to be a chief. I really did. Mm-hmm. I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could see some
2: facial expressions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this one should have been videoed.
3: Because, because again, you, you work a little bit out of your comfort zone. You have to work out of your comfort zone in order to become a good officer. And you have to have all the steps, which you know, I'm sure we can go into another question with that, but I think you need to, to follow the steps and to become a good officer. And as a chief, I wanted to be able to see from the other perspective, from the outside looking in versus the inside looking out like we've always seen. Different perspective, different whole different role. And what, really what it was is before I became a lieutenant, I was a chief aide. And back in those days in this particular department, the chief aide pretty much ran the, the scene. The chief just told him what he wanted. He did all the radio communications. He would prompt the chief or the captain. At the time, I was driving my captain because the chief went, he retired or went to a different, and he asked me to drive him, and I said absolutely. It was To me, it was an honor, and I used to ride back up with an officer that trained me. And really, because you're you're – identifying the scene and what you see is going on. Um, you're learning basically what you're seeing as a 1st two company um, So it was a great learning experience. Nowadays, it's a little bit different but um, for a chief aide. And you still had to do paperwork. You still had to do staff. And you still had to do annual leave. You still had to manage. Manage. Right. And again, the chief aide ran the battalion. Mm-hmm. So I got that perspective, and I wanted to see another perspective of it, and is was actually being on the other side of the seat. Um, so that was my aspiration, um, on the job. And that's, that's it, it and then, you know, one B, yeah, so special you
1: operations. Up, you brought up a good point there about, uh, you had to get outside your comfort zone. And really, if you think about it, all growth happens outside the your mm-hmm. comfort zone, whether it's going to the gym or it's, Absolutely. you know, study for a right. class. Yep. It's so many people, I think. Feel like that they can just kind of sit back and they're going to grow and be good at being an officer or be good at being a firefighter, staying in their comfort zone, but and it just doesn't
0: happen. Station X, I'm right. not going to move. This is my right. station. Right. They're in their comfort zone. Yep. So how comfor- I many
2: I mean, do we even hear that? I'm comfortable here. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. So know, so like that's a huge takeaway bag.
1: for you know anybody yeah. listening is you know you want to grow, you want to get better, you got to get outside your comfort zone, whether it's outside your department and look at other departments or conferences or whatever it
3: is, you got to get outside of that. That's where the growth happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we can talk about that forever. I don't think we have enough battery life on our phones.
2: <laughs> to that one, but I was fully charged. <laughs> I'm always charged.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, the next thing we're kind of jumping into. Um, so me and you have uh, worked around and trained and gone to classes together before. And uh, what about, because I think the, the premier point of your East Coast for Rescue Solutions Started around forcible entry. So, what about forcible entry actually, you know, interested you so much that you developed a class and eventually a business out of it?
3: It didn't start with forcible entry, um, but what? It, and I'll give you the full synopsis of the East Coast. At the, at the time of my when I when I was in the fire service, my wife never worked, and I had a lot of kids, so I had to be the sole provider, and I, I felt like that I wanted that. Um, I didn't want her to have to work, so I worked a second job like every other fireman. Framed houses for a good while. Then when I was framing houses, I saw a guy um, cutting grass. It took him 10 minutes to do a yard, and I thought, hmm, he's probably making 30 bucks. I'm going to do my own business. So I started a landscape company. Did that for 18 years. Wasn't able to do anything else but get off the job and go straight to work. So I missed out on a lot of things that I was seeing going on around me training conferences and when I got into special ops it it was it was challenging to be able to find the time to do the training classes that required but I wanted it so we we worked through it we worked through it so my buddy who was working for the major department that I worked for for a good while left and went to another major department in the city up north and got a whole nother realm of training we used to talk on the phone through his recruit class and What he was learning and what he saw and we'd always collaborate and just talk shop and like we always do um and then what happened was bailout systems in the in this particular area of the united states became mandated that if you were operating on inside of a building you were required to have a bailout system and he saw that was big and he said you know what And we were talking one day and he says i want to start a company that teaches and trains in bailouts and, um, sells them. And in order to do that, we got to go to Petzl's headquarters in Utah and take the class. I said, I'm in. My neighbor was talking about possibly buying um, my landscape company. And my father-in-law was talking about starting up another business. He wanted me to be involved with. And I said, man, there's just too many things going around that circles around me getting rid of my landscape business. I said, this is a sign. Again, everything happens for a reason, right? And all these things around me were thinking. We're, I had a couple other issues that Hatch knows very well about um, as far as labor. And the immigration laws were changing. And I said, you know what, there's just too many things. I, said, I sold it. And I said, I'm all in with you. I'm in. So we started it. And um, that same year, I believe, we went to FDIC and FDIC and the fire service has always been in the discussion at the round table. Throughout my whole career, I'm thinking, what is this FDIC that they, these guys are teaching? I, guys are, you know, there's guys where I was working that were teaching and this and, you know, all the guys that were in this particular department that are the know, the, the guys that are always top of their class and always, you know, push, push forward type of guys, we're always going to FDIC. I said, man. I got to go to this. So we had the opportunity. I'd sold the business, I believe. I don't know if it was at, the, at that same time or maybe at the cusp or whatever. But I went to that conference, went to FDIC, and I took a class, one of them being force puncturing. And I said, This is the easiest thing I've ever seen in my life. No one's ever showed me. I never, from, and this, at that point, I was on the job 20, 20 years maybe. And uh, and then let's we'll go back a little bit again so at this time it was during the olympics oh they were starting to tear down a lot of tear down a lot of buildings so and we'd go in and do some training because back then we could go into these properties and do some training and forceful entry was one of them and we're trying and work the tools like the books say you know all the books that they're all study material talks about force entry and I, you know i'm looking at the book and i think yeah just i don't understand really it's how this how they're trying to show you in this book. And we went to a fire, and a couple of my guys at the time I was a lieutenant were trying to open this door and were having troubles with it. And they got into a big argument. <laughs> and I thought,
0: this is ridiculous. <laughs> On the fire. So I took
3: forcible entry at FDIC. Took the class and I said, This is the most easiest stuff. And I'm looking at the props. I think no one's ever taught me this the whole time I've been on the job, never had a recruit class, never had it anywhere, no senior guys, all these guys. And I went back and I said, I cannot believe that all you guys that all talk about FDIC, that would go every year, never brought this back to my department. Never taught anybody. They went. They went. But don't. And yeah. for maybe different reasons. Um, but I never learned that. It, for us, is to be as a simple as a technique, and you know, in my opinion, that's just my opinion, well, it's a technique that makes sense. It's not yes.
1: necessarily simple, but it's, it's not as complicated as, as, or you imagine, as, they, right. as you look at
3: it in a book trying to read it. Right.
1: right. It's not like trying to figure out how the magician gets you know, cuts yes. the person in half. It's, it's pretty simple step by step. And that's so, what you're saying. about something? Yes. So
3: yeah. I said, I'm going to build a prop that will enable me to teach my guys. This is at the FDSU
1: we went to together, correct? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I said, I'm going to build a prop. So went to a project, got an old door, built a frame, the best of I thought would work, and it worked. Taught my guys, and then guys were filling in. They'd come over. Guys in neighboring companies would come over, and it just blew up from there. And I thought, and everyone's like, man, this is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. We need to do this. And I thought, we need to build another door. And I'd, I'd constantly make the door better, 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 better. And I said, you know what? I think I'd done the whole department and recruit classes. I'd done a couple of recruit classes in this, in this particular department. Off your door off, my, door? off my prompts.
1: And it was, again, and I don't speak for you, but this is just about bringing it back to the department. Bringing it back it to the teaching. department. So, what,
2: what is the intent of the FDIC? Yes, absolutely.
3: Instructors conference. It's a
1: fire get department back. instructor conference. Right. right,
2: share some information.
3: Right. And I said, you know what? And I talked to Chris, I said, I think we need to take this on the road. And include this, and this was basically what I'm bringing to the table for East Coast. So I felt like now I'm, I'm bringing something that I have a worth in the company, <clears throat> because m- really most of the work in the bailouts was up north.
0: Come from him, obviously,
3: which we had some that trickled down, but ninety percent of what was being done is work on his end of it. So, um, and that was early, inf- early stages. It would
0: have been. And I did research at that time when bailouts got popular, uh, and there were, you know, Petzl. If you were going to go with that system, you had to receive the training, or they wouldn't sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And there were very few companies at the time I was looking. The nearest mm-hmm. company was in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So You guys were. Oh yeah, we're on the cusp. we exactly yeah yeah. I mean, and then,
3: um, and it's 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 done, it's done well, I think still, but that was the whole that was the whole background into the forceful entry is my whole intent had nothing to do with business whatsoever my whole intent was to bring this back to my company and that was it the guys company and we station company within the station right and it just blew up from there because guys were really liking the training and and I was able to give back to the
2: department that you you think they were liking it because this hey this is it's new and it and it's useful yes
3: yeah and it was fun it's great training
2: yeah
3: it's applicable. well yes. right, it's not that's something that's you know, you know for so many years the only thing you trained on and I was and this is why again I wanted to become an officer is hose lays were punishment
2: hmm.
3: and if, if if anytime the captain got upset or the lieutenant got upset guys, we're going to the drill yard we're laying out hose. okay we liked it. <laughs> All right let's go. I don't care what time of day it was. It was late at night or whatever. I don't, I don't care. So, but it was a form of punishment versus training. And then which was my whole reasoning behind getting into special ops because it was just more diversity in in what we do as a fireman. You know, it gives you the, and then you start throwing in ropes and trench and building in that constructions always been a kind of a, a thing of mine and and I love the collapse and I love the trench. I love getting dirty. It's just I Basically, what it all boils down to is if there's anything going on within the city or where I worked, I want to be a part Probably of it. I want
2: to be a part of it, yeah.
3: And in special ops, it doesn't matter if you're – I was called in off, off days that I was working um, at home and called in. And that was – how can you not like that? People say, oh, man, you coming off your off day. No, but I want to be part of it. I want to say I was there doing it, doing it. <laughs>
2: Well, I think that's important. I mean, you're talking about what he's, that concept right there, what he said. You're talking about maybe 10, 15% of the people are doing that. They want to be that person. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. It'd be nice to be that number, would be a lot higher than that. You know, you want to get in the mix. Right? The big question.
1: But he's also creating his own depth, too, because, you know, oh, yeah. now he knows firefighting skills, now he knows construction skills, now he knows, you know, technical rescue skills. I mean, you create your own depth. And the mm-hmm. fire department is one of those beautiful organizations that say, tell you what, we're going to bring you in. We're going to teach you how to do your job. And then we're going to pay you to go to other classes to teach you how to do your job even better or more and diversify yourself, whether it be, be a paramedic or, you know, whatever, a tactical medic. They send you to classes for all of it, and they pay you to do so it. So self-motivated. And we have so many people that put on the parking brake and like, well, only if they make me. You know, but that's again, that's about getting outside you your comfort zone. That's the comfortable person. Yeah, that's not yeah. the
2: motivated person. Right. right,
0: right, right,
3: right. We can't expect, and this is what we, what I had to learn, and it was hard for me to grasp is and I've had people pull me back and say, you've got to remember that as an officer, you can't expect everybody within your company or the department to be exactly like you. Just because you're motivated and want to get in special ops or just because you want to train all day long, every day to be better, to master the craft doesn't mean that everyone in your company should. Just because you come to work at 6.30 every morning or at the house at 6 o'clock every morning to relieve them, sit down, have a cup of coffee, talk shop with the guys before they leave, doesn't mean that everyone has to. They're required to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning when the bell rings. That's it. So can you write a guy up for being not being 30 minutes early? Absolutely not. It was hard for me to grasp because I think, why would somebody not want to be there early to either take in a job early? Because then you think, wow, I got a job and I'm not even... It's it's a half hour early. So I already took in one job. I hadn't even started my own shift. I can still get more for today. I can still get, maybe there's chances. This increases my chances of now maybe getting some more work. It's a weird concept. But I went 25 years and by in this fired, department. For those of you that don't oh. understand what he's talking about. I, I, literally, this is this is no. Let's, play, let's be fl- freaking, uh, fluent, I'm, Rick. Yes. <laughs> For 25 years, I used to not be able to sleep at night knowing I'm going to work the next day, either thinking about what I can do, thinking about what I may do, thinking about maybe was an officer, thinking about a training that I can do for the guys, whatever. Just giddy going to work the next day.
2: That's awesome.
0: But after 25 it's, years. It's that, charismatic that's awesome.
1: energy that you have that has drawn so many people to, to want to be around you and work around you and probably made what's made your business best, so successful. Yeah. And classes, yeah. They yeah. Class uh, at Matthews. They're, at, at they're one of the most popular ones every year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're um Yeah, if anybody's listening to this and thinking I want to take Rick's class uh, in two thousand seventeen, you need to jump on it when registration opens up because I'm I'm in charge of watching the numbers and that East class Coast. fills up very quickly within the first few days. Within
3: our group of guys that surround us. Yeah. I mean, and it's,
1: it's very really entertaining. I mean, these guys
2: are, you know. So you're saying there's a comedy
1: factor. There. Right. Yes. There is, but they're not always super knowledgeable. <laughs> I, they're, uh, they're a little
3: on the funny side. And there. the reason why I do that is because I've been in many classes where it's just, ooh. And, and there is no breaking down. It's because guys are automatically intimidated because it's a, a guy that's teaching from a, another major department or whatever. Or I mean, I've taken classes from guys that are in major departments that were intimidating just because, not because I knew them. But, so I break the ice. I said, "Bro, I'm just here to have a good time, you know. I want them to know that we're here to learn, by all means. But yet, and there is what we call rompus time um, in the fire service. So we have, I always, as an officer, I'd say, all right, from after our housework, let's just say 9 o'clock to noon, is full-on, 100% focused training. Real, you know, real deal. From noon after lunch, then we can do rompus time if you want, which is basically just have a good time. But yet at the same time the guys didn't even realize that we're training and they're learning something. But it may be just something impromptu, it may be something that's, hey, what do you what do you want to do? Throw out a rope bag, let's do some knots, let's do let's try to use one of these mini you know, a monopod or whatever. It just that's what we call rompus time. It's not a formal Focus training. It's just have a good time, but at the same time, we're still learning.
1: Just impromptu training.
3: Well, it's all impromptu, but it's just informal.
1: Right.
3: Because I really felt like you, and and I had to focus them. I had to grab them in because again, I always surrounded myself and wanted guys in our company that was type A personalities. That's what makes a good company. And you have to get, you have to herd the kittens, and say, look, guys, we got to focus. Let's just focus. And I'm the same. I'm the same way. You kidding me right now? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> so you well,
2: run that one in there. <laughs> and you would have to
3: you'd have to do that. So that was the, that was the focused couple hours of training that we're going to actually do this, whatever, whatever it may be, whether the guys brought it up as an idea or whether I saw something a need, whether it be land hose, because again, as a special operations company, you have, you're required to do all of it at some point. And there were some cases where we also were a dual company where you're as an engine company in special operations for a short time so not only do you have to do the firefighting training but you also have to incorporate special ops training so which was challenging in itself um it wasn't a dedicated heavy rescue at the time of this department (laughs)
1: all right so we're going to go back to you surrounding yourself with type a personalities. yes um so in that type a personalities what are Four essential tricks of the trade that you would think every firefighter rookie
3: should know. That he should gain through education in the department, or do you think he should bring to the table for as a rookie?
0: No, yes, through, in that question, I, I want to hear your. There were always those things on scene that a senior person, whether they were a firefighter or an officer, after an incident, you looked at you. You looked at him and you said. How did you know to do that? Or why did you know it was in here? And they'd say, well, this, this, and this. And they were connecting dots that I, I just never saw. I
3: know? think if you can, I think the main thing with the fire service in all that we deal with in whether it be cars or mechanics or is a trade. You, there's, there's, there's always someone in the fire department that has construction background and in, in your company, within your company, and this is who you're surrounded. This guy I know does construction, so this is the guy i go to in the event that we're in a collapse. This is the guy that does plumbing, so this, right. you know, whatever. Electrical. Whatever okay. the case may be, because it de- depends on the situation. you got to know which individual you're going to pull from. And in special operations, that's what you typically get. In a regular company, even the same thing, even as an engine company or a truck company. Um, if you're not bringing a trade to the, to the table, and nowadays with the millennials, They don't even, they haven't even started a weed eater. And that's the first thing I ask in the questions. If we're doing a truck company class and saws are involved and it said, how many people have cranked other than just pulling the saw out of the the compartment, crank it up in the morning, let it run for a few minutes and then put it right back in. Other than that, how many people have operated a saw, weed eater, chainsaw? Nobody. Whether it be some people probably don't want to admit the fact that they have, but, don't want to be called out in front of everybody to maybe do a demonstration or whatever. <laughs> that could be the case, and that probably yeah, is a up. lot of times.
0: Yeah, you're the
1: guy. Come exactly. on. We'll start this exactly. I'm so, so glad you saw oh, oh, this. There, <laughs> exactly. that,
3: that, there is. Exactly. But you can tell the minute somebody gets a saw in their hand whether they've operated a saw before in their life or whether, they've, whether they have any kind of construction. I think construction, by all means, should be the first thing you should learn in the fire service. If you're going to study something, Building construction is a number one thing, I think. If someone said, what do you think you need to learn? Well, what do we go into 99% of the time? Right. Whether it be in a medical call, whether you have to force entry because of an invalid assist, right. whether you're doing it gentle, just let's just learn the tools how we use, whether it be popping a door, whether it be popping a window. I've seen so many people that they just, it's a double hung wind, you just pop it right near the lock, And they it's a medical call. So I think construction. Would be a number one thing that they should bring you to the table, and if they don't, they need to first. When they get, I think recruit class should spend more time in building construction than one of the, than a the majority of the classroom portion of anything else. You know, they talk about hose, they talk about right. all of this in PowerPoint. That's useless. That's something you're going to touch, feel, and operate when you get in the, out in the drill yard. Building construction. Is probably one of those that you can talk about with PowerPoints and pictures, lots of pictures. Still need a field trip to see them, feel and touch them. See it. Um, but I think education and really, you, you, yeah, you, you got to see it. But the reason why I say that is because we're going into these buildings blind. And it's one of those things that someone said, learn your enemy. Know your enemy no matter what battle you're going into, right? Whether it be military, whether it be police officers, whether it be Firemen know your enemy. If you're going into a building that you have no idea what's going around, on around you, and you don't know building construction, what where do I need to stand? Where's the best place to go? If I feel like I'm hearing a creaking, what am I looking for? What am I feeling for?
0: You're useless. What are strong points of the building? Yes,
3: absolutely. Those are so so very important. Stay I'm next to wall.
2: over and don't even think about it.
3: No, it's a, it's for some reason I don't understand why this is a subject that's just been. Um, well, it's, um, it's
2: but, not.
0: It's not uh, glamorous. Okay, oh, wow. you want to talk about fire, mm. and putting out fire, and stretching hose and crap mm. like that. That's right. That's oh. uh, pictures of helmets
3: and, and Facebook. Yeah, it's <laughs> <That's> awesome.
0: <laughs> but you're going to talk about you know, uh, you know, laminated beams and, and things like that. It's it's not glamorous. And I, the example I used to use it was very over. It's oversimplified. But if you take a bed out in the middle of a parking lot and you set it on fire, is it a problem? No. Take the bed and put it into a bedroom in a house and set it on fire, and it's all of a sudden a big problem. Mm-hmm. What, what changed? What was it that made it a problem? The building. Yeah. The building makes it the problem. That <laughs> it's That's extended the into. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the problem. The is really not, you know, you need to know the building. Well, construction. Well, something background. as simple as like knee
1: walls. You know, we take for granted. We know what knee walls are, mm-hmm. but the complications of it, and the millennials don't even understand. It. They've seen oh. it before, but we have to give it a good description, have pictures of it, and show why is this a problem, all the voids that it has with it. And so every time I'm in classes, you know, you'll have see some guy, twenty year veteran, up there saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, you just make sure to do this with the knee walls." Well, go
3: ahead and explain to him what a knee wall is. Yeah. Why is it so hot in the attic when I went up there? <laughs> Man, I went up in the stairwell up at this attic, and it was so hot. It was an occupied attic. Woo! Because fire's all around you and you didn't even know it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've had a situation in the department I worked at where guys really got themselves in a pickle and had to bail out. Probably two years ago? Three years? Th- yeah, three, three years, years ago. ago. Busy company. A double mayday. Busted a hole. Yep, double mayday. Busted a hole in, in the knee wall to check it, and it just blew out like a torch. And basically, it was um, a captain that I that was on a different shift that we collaborated a lot. Great super guy, senior captain said the best way to describe it is you're venting a hole on the inside. So just think about when you cut a hole in a roof and there's fire below it, what happens? It comes out like a torch. Well, there wasn't a hole in the roof. There was a hole that they made in the the void, which came out like a torch. He said it was awful.
2: Hmm.
3: So, again, how many people within that company knew what they were opening up? Yeah, they knew they were opening up a void, but... Even as an officer, and you're going to size up a building, and you know that it's a lightweight wood frame versus an urban, old-style wood frame, you know that you're talking about bigger dimensional lumber, so you have more of a reaction time. And that's what I always used to use in my class in building construction, which, again, is a solution. I felt like it was a need and helped develop a class. So one of the things that I like to say is, is reaction time. As a 1st do officer, you pull up, and you see fire blowing out one window. You turn around, tell the guys we're doing this, we're going to lay out an inch three-quarter, whatever the case may be, go ahead and secure a water source, get the line in place, and all of a sudden you turn around and you think, oh, wow, now it's out four windows, and through that. So in lightweight construction, we don't have much reaction time. With the decision that we make initially, all of a sudden now we're already behind the eight ball, and we hadn't even gotten through the front door yet. We didn't even force the door. (laughs) (laughs) so
0: now you're talking about urban (laughs) but now when (laughs)
3: you're talking about plaster and lath, and you're talking about bigger dimensional lumber in an urban setting you have a little bit more of a reaction time than you would in lightweight construction you have a little bit more well you know that if you're in a fire resistive building fire resistive is designed to keep the fire within the compartment it starts it's not allowed to go horizontal it's not allowed to go vertical the only way that it's going to extent is auto exposure right so from floor to floor out the windows that's the only way in a true fire building. if you don't know that and you're an officer in a downtown company and you think back all the time in the world as long as that window stays in check and it generally will you they're built like that because it's going to keep within that compartment whether it's sprinkled or not it's still going to stay within that compartment you have one room to put out you can do that with a booster now whether that doorway is open in the hallway is a different story as well but Anyway, reaction time, and if you don't know building construction as an officer as a rookie, I think that's that's what you need to bring to the table. Uh, Do we have battery life still? Up?
2: No, oh, sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to get on that So sub-box. that would be your number one of the four things. I think so.
3: Along with the basics, I mean, you know, uh, everyone needs to be able to throw a ladder, which is uh, another another um, task that I think is con where if you go into company said y'all raise ladders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to. Even an engine company. An engine company maybe pull up and a guy's falling out a window. What are you going to do? Do they ever pull the ladders off the rig? So I think that's kind of a thing that's gone by the wayside. And it's, it's increasingly getting in the south. I see a lot more ladders being thrown. I think through education yeah. and the teachings that we're doing in truck company classes and conferences like MAFSE, we're throwing ladders.
2: I agree with that. I think we've seen a, a huge change that for us.
3: Forcible entry, there's a lot more companies on the market doing it, a lot more, a lot more simulators out there on the market. Ladders are being thrown. There's a lot, there is a huge influx of what we're bringing back. So the culture is slowly changing That's, in that respect.
0: That was what I was going to ask you was how long do you think those Ooh, changes take? Man,
3: I, I, want that. I ask myself that question, and every time we get into a round table at a conference or whether it be in a restaurant under, having a Coca-Cola, um,
1: you could say adult beverage. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. All right.
3: Oh, that's okay. Way we're go adults. <laughs> So, we're sitting and talking shop, and you're talking. And this again, this is why I love going to these conferences because you're talking with a guy from New York, a guy from New Jersey, a guy from Vegas, a guy from wherever, and we're just talking about what's your department do. And it, that's how you learn and throw out ideas. And, um, but the big question is, how do we change the culture? I want to know. How can I, as an officer of a department, which how can we change the culture of what what's going on? And it starts with recruitment.
2: Yeah, I think it starts there. But specifically for an officer, and you said this earlier, um, I think you have to maintain some expectations. Ooh. They need to be realistic, of course. <clears throat> but the fact that you maintain them has a lot to do with. Uh, is that? I don't sure, know. You didn't turn your phone off. No, actually, uh, actually I did.
3: <laughs> no, you didn't.
2: Clearly, I did not. <laughs> we'll deal with this in just this a second. This is a first for combustible. It is. This is this is gonna be interesting. I don't even know how to make it. I can't get, into, I can't get in in it. i Can not put it on vibrate now? Why are not you just gonna that? call I, I back?
1: But right. see, that's what that's what this is. This is trying to catch lightning in a bottle here. Right. <laughs> we really, we are really uh, it's inexperienced. Standing. It's beautiful. It's it's I'm actually
2: kind of curious of who it was. Just <laughs> to call back. Actually.
0: Of course you are. What have we done with that phone? She's gonna, Shannon, she's gonna call back. Like, I've got
1: a feeling it wasn't all right. This is the authentic nature of what we do here.
2: It. We're not gonna worry about it. Um, all right, so I. I, I apologize. That's all right. I may it's have okay. killed, I knocked the ember out of that one.
3: Yeah, well,
2: really we were talking about culture and I actually oh. how you change it because I think this is, I think this part is kind of important. So you do need to maintain those expectations, period. I think that's important. But I think though that captain has a lot to do with the speed of that, that change. change because if if you don't have that buy-in to that there actually is a need then it slows it down because they do not they're not bought into not engaging into that change behavior period so i that's why i, I to this day, believe that captain position is the most important position in the fire department. I just, I believe that. I
1: yeah. think they are the... It can, it can definitely be, but it, you know, there's so many of them that don't take it seriously, I think, um, and that's, no. that's a lot of the problem. Well,
0: that's where you, that you can control that smaller environment. When you look at an organizational exchange, yes. that's something that's got but to... It's too small. Yeah, you've got to have so many people buying into yeah. it, and it takes so long, and we talked about this in the <clears> last <throat> podcast, you know, with the, the red hose that we had. Eight years later, we've still got guys that think it's okay to have that hose on the truck. We had not a, a, achieved that change across the department for everybody to say this isn't acceptable. So <laughs> you just had to take the red hose off the truck. <laughs> well, I, and unfortunately, we had a, a prior uh, chief that that was his solution. Yeah. You know, he saw somebody doing something with a booster reel, and take it next, off the next pump every that truck. We got, did no not more have booster reels. reels All right. You know, and yes, absolutely. We don't need to be fighting. You know, uh, if you call it working
1: fire, you should not be taking a booster. Yeah, but the answer is not
0: to take it off the truck.
1: Well, I didn't say it over the radio.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's just too easy nowadays. With and again through education, we didn't we didn't talk about inch three quarter back then. So it's easy pulling off the reel. Even though really, if you look at it realistically, the inch three quarter is just as easy, if not lighter. To pull and put it in place if it's done efficiently through training but you know you had all these different loads and just you know so much complication to loading it and that's why everyone's like I don't want to have to do that but you know the more you do it the easier it gets and you'll know it but the problem with as a captain and you talk about changing culture is you'll have one guy filling in from another you've got your culture within your company this is the way we operate guys and with departments that where we're currently at that don't have standard operating procedures that define riding positions, and tool assignments, and stuff of that nature. You got your guys doing that, and then a guy comes to fill in. And this is how we operate. I always took a guy filling in. All right, I always put him on the engine. I wouldn't put him on the truck. That was just my opinion. So I put him on the engine, and I always ask him questions. I'd take him to the back of the truck first thing in the morning, throw the tunnel cover, and I'd say, all right, what are you going to do in the event that the hydrant doesn't have a two-and-a-half? What are you going to do in the event that LDH doesn't have or the hydrant doesn't have a six-inch? Coupling. How are you going to end half of them would know? What is your responsibility in doing a forward lay? And the guy would, like, stare at me. And, and, and again, through time, those questions became answered, whether or not they knew, oh, if I'm going to Myers company, i got to know this and that, which is great because, again, you're changing culture, right? You're setting, setting expectations. expectations.
0: But what yeah, was absolutely. The, what was the uh, – penalty's not the word I'm looking for, but what was the – what would happen if they didn't live up to your expectations? The verbal Nothing. gunwashing.
3: No. They just wouldn't be allowed back in my company. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not true. I that's not lying. true. <laughs> I, kidding is not a lie. <laughs> um, um, there was no expectation. There was no. There was no. It wasn't for discipline.
0: No, no. But it was for education. People come into the station you know, they
2: because they didn't want to be like, embarrassed. Sure you they didn't want to be embarrassed. Okay.
3: So for them, it was it was the embarrassment because it's generally a younger guy that's filling in. I mean, typically in a big in a, a large department, that a guy's being detailed to your company, it's because he's the low man on the totem pole in most cases, unless they need a driver. And if they needed a driver bar, we'd go out and start pumping.
1: Yeah, I used to call this like professional influence. You know, and basically you're talking about embarrassing them. You know, we we use professional influence maybe to get some low performers up to speed a little bit by kind of embarrassing them a little bit. You really dress that one? That up. one, I tried that right there. I, That's I, a I whole won. other level, right? Yeah.
0: That's impressive. Well, I was talking to
1: my whole purpose influence. was to <laughs> some executive levels when I brought this up the first time. Yeah,
3: my whole purpose was not for disciplinary. Mine was for education. I wanted to be able to make sure that this guy can operate in the level that I wanted to operate. So I knew that if I'm going as a truck company, that this guy's going to have get water to my engine. Period. So. It oh was just more of an expectation.
0: Nation. Keep going. You're still talking to somebody. Somebody really yes. needs to get in touch with you.
1: <clears throat> this is what happens here at Big Chief.
3: Is this where editing comes in? Do we no, need to clap uh, every time see that
0: we do this? Goes. We'll, we'll see what happens. Just keep doing I don't think we've ever had one where the, no, where
2: the vibrations take over. It's okay. Just don't stop. Just keep going. Go to the... Uh, I think it's actually a good time to, to segue into that question about... Education. Well, uh, I was going to actually, you know, go go see what he
0: needs.
1: So since we've, uh, uh, me and you've worked Trans- together
0: mm-hmm. for, uh, uh,
1: and uh, exactly. gone to classes and been around each other for years and years, and so I, I know a lot of uh, stories, a lot of your background. But you know, tell the listeners maybe uh, uh, an interesting story that uh, they may be able to learn something from. You talking about a war story? Yeah, let's let's do a war story. <clears throat>
3: Um, I got a number of war stories, but I, I've got a medical one and uh, trust I guess me, they'll, they'll be stunned to find out you have a medical,
1: one. <laughs> I'm stunned to find out you have meme, a medical, this is going to be,
3: this is going to identify where I was, but, um.
1: Please do not turn off the podcast at this point. Go ahead and let him finish. (laughs) So, yeah.
3: Um, I was first due to uh, the courthouse shooting. That, to me, was a pretty pinnacle moment. Um, And I was one of the second due to the Olympic bombing. Um, But the the life-altering, or no. I had many times of brushes of death, I guess you can say. And one of them, I think, that's the most memorable, and it was just relived Um, when I took my wife downtown for a doctor's appointment and we ate lunch at the place next door to the building, a high rise building where I ran out of air, probably 200 feet into the building and thought it was it. I I literally thought this is it. And, um, and then I had the situation with the flashover, which is a great learning experience for me. It was probably a year on the job. All right, man, don't overload this, man. Get this,
0: get I, I don't ones. know. And there's like, we can go on forever on well, more just, stories.
1: Well, just do one. All right, so you already started. So That's your, it. So so How'd you no, get no, 200 I feet? I know.
0: And this is I don't take this as an attack. How'd you run out of air?
3: Um, so we pull up to this I was on squad. I was I was riding in charge, and pull up to this high-rise fire, blowing out two built two room two windows. In the middle of the building, it's a cakewalk. Company's already operating, hoses are being stretched. Um, so I thought they said, "All right, go assist company whatever in stretching line and find out where the fire's at." So we go to the fire floor, one end of the building. I think couple. We go to one end of the building. So it's in the middle, and I knew that.
0: What floor are we talking about? In the sixth. Fire
3: floor? I think it was like the seventh floor.
0: Okay, so are you breathing air as soon as you get no. the building? Or? No. No. Okay. When
3: we got up there initially, really wasn't that bad. It was, you could see. So you got to the floor? We go to the fire floor, and there's spaghetti from one end of the hallway to, the, to where they connected. They connected to the fire floor. Whoops.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um,
3: so um, I just remember, I, I, to this day, I remember that very distinctly. Because I remember the spaghetti that was at that doorway, which is holding the door to the hallway open. So they're making the stretch, and we're looking for it. Door after door after door, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I know we've we we keep going forward, keep going forward, keep going forward. Conditions continually start getting worse, 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 worse. We're to where we're, now we're breathing air. We're forcing doors, we're not seeing nothing. All we're feeling is the heat coming down, banking down, smokes coming into the hallway, but we don't know where the fire. And I know I said, I know we have to be in the middle of this building. And what had happened was, and we were operating for so long, and then my Vibe Alert starts going off. I said, right, I've got a few more minutes. And I think we were using Survivors at the time. Because I remember putting my hose in my coat. Which were, I, I, I remember.
1: bottles. You had a 60? Yeah, yes. 60 minute bottles.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And, um, but we're working. Right. We were working. And I just remember thinking, ah, you know, I got I got some time. Conditions start getting worse. Oh, I got another one. Too. And um, all of a sudden, no, no, no I, I turned around. I said, look, I got to go. So I tapped the guy and I said, "I'm out of air. I gotta go." And everyone, pretty much at that time, all the bells were ringing. You know, we're all at the same time.
0: And this is this is before heads-up displays and masks. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This is way. Time. This okay. is Just this to is make way sure, I keep our listeners up.
3: Um, and got on the hose, and started tracing the hose back. I said, "I know this is gonna take me back to the stairwell." And I thought to myself, and then probably midway through, when I went, that's when I went, and <laughs> I'm sucking nothing. I thought, "Oh, there's disconnected. Stuck at my coat. I think I'm good." You know, taking in a little bit of smoke, taking in a feed. Mm. And um, I'm thinking, oh, I know when I get to the stairwell, I'm going to be in this, all this spaghetti. And I'm just going to die right there. I'm not going to be able to get out. And all of a sudden, ping, my, head, my helmet hit the stairwell, the, the um, handrail of the stairwell. I, mean, I literally ran right into it. I said, oh, thank God. And I kissed the floor. Right. So I'm going downstairs, and Mayday comes out. Two of my guys were, were same thing. Ran out of air, got disoriented. And it became, you know it was, we're, and I'm meeting people at the stairwell. Everyone's doing the same thing. We still hadn't even found the fire yet. And go down, truck 11's right behind me. He says, hey, bro, we got, we got the truck right in front. We'll get it. We'll put the stick up. We tell the guys to get on there. And this particular building has a ledge probably two or three foot outside the building, which is the only thing because we're looking up at the building, and the fire is steadily advancing toward the two guys that gave out the mayday. We ran out of air young guys have gotten on the squad got separated from the company and for some reason or another and gave the mayday which intros to another question but um got the truck up the truck just barely reached got him down and multiple people ran out of air and come to find out it was a telemarketing so there was a wall between the window and the doorway of the hallway that went full length of the building and it was all cubicles, so the guys got entangled in the cubicles. They're doing searches, and that's how they ran out of air. We just couldn't find the fire because there was a wall there between the window, and they ended up putting that through a flying standpipe off cool. the truck. And it was, and there was another captain who was the chief of a some, I think, chief of another department. I don't think he is now. I think he's retired. That was a captain of a downtown company ran out of air, and he was all messed up. Because he was in, it was in a pinch, too. So people were running out of air all over the place <clears throat> for various reasons. Because, you know, just conditions deteriorated pretty rapidly once it got into the ceiling.
0: And you said you went down. This is, this was the call that when you went downtown to take your wife to the doctor? You no, no, no. So her. then, yes. That so that I building? went to the
3: doctor the other day.
0: So obviously this
3: stayed with you. Oh, absolutely. What, absolutely. what
0: was the lesson that you took away from it?
3: If When your vibrate alert goes off, regardless... Which we've learned that through education.
0: You just go out. Right.
3: We you know, I we, we all say, ah, I got time. Oh,
0: because a, conditions
3: it's... conditions at the time really weren't that bad. Sure. But all of a sudden, boom, and I had the, had the same situation in another house that we're searching. Conditions are no big deal, but we're still breathing air. And conditions just rap we're looking for the fire, couldn't find it, it was in a void. Conditions deteriorated rapidly and we're just walking around, so we really aren't paying attention. You know, you aren't figuring out where you're at, and right. you know, you're just aimlessly walking around looking. Where the heck could this fire be? And it was in an occupied attic, of probably the third floor of a you know older style house, and all of a sudden, just zero visibility, and I'm out of air, and that was ugly too. Situation. I mean, I've had those are probably the two most memorable run out of air, and if we take for granted breathing air, we really do. And it, only in the time that you decide you can't breathe air anymore, whether you're in water or whether you're in smoke, you realize, wow, that's quite a luxury. So those are the two memorable, I guess, war stories that I could probably, that were life-altering,
0: I guess. Shane and I were having a, a discussion just a few days ago about, you know, as you gain experience in the fire service and, and you're you're making different decisions than necessarily new firefighters you know look at look at something and they see something different than than you do is that all tied to incidents from our past where we can we instantly go back and say this is that situation again and I'm not gonna make that same mistake again you know and I think we end up loaded up with those mm-hmm. if you're If you're open to the idea and a student, uh, you end up cataloging those and you keep putting them in your, you know, Rolodexes. Exactly, you know, to to say, hey, this is (laughs) this is very similar to that right here. We're not going to make that same mistake again.
3: We're lucky in the fact that being that we were on during the days of the heyday, where we were fighting a lot of fires on a pretty regular basis, that we have a Rolodex in our memory bank that allows us to teach from that now whether or not someone takes that and because we were young once too Mm come on
0: well and rick you don't need to be in there i got this i got this (laughs) i think you your class probably enjoys a better success but i taught a class for years uh and there was one thing that i begged the students to do at the end of an eight-hour class and when i went back and checked after you know six months, a year. None of them had done it. And, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember his name from New York, uh, from FDNY, uh, with Black Sunday. He goes around and Jeff gives, Cooley. A, Cooley, right, gives class on bailing out and all that. And after the class, because I'd experienced this with my class, I went up to him and I, you know, I said, it's a great class. I have bailout system. You know, how many people do you find after this class that take what you've taught and actually go do something about it? And he said, Very few, very few, you know, and I think that all goes back to, are you truly open to listening and, you know, Mm. taking that lesson Mm. and putting it in your Rolodex? Or do you just sit there and you nod, you go, that's a great class. This was time well spent.
1: Well, that leads us into the next discussion that we were talking about, the experience versus education. So... We have the benefit of being on for several years. We've been to you know, lots of fires, and, and we've had that experience, but there's fewer and fewer fires happening now, and so the only thing that individuals can kind of gain somewhat in experience is through education. So what do, what do, what do we do? How, how do we bridge that gap between: Man, That's
3: the, a great question. Actually, I think it's a pretty horrible question, but I think you know. No. What's going. <laughs> <laughs> I worded it terribly. <laughs> how do we teach? From a book, on what we've gained through experience. Right. There you go. See Look at you, man. And you don't have to know there about is, computers. Uh, I, I guess, with the programs that we've got now, uh, man. I, there, there is no way. You, you I can't the, teach. You cannot.
0: But we are still fighting fires. You can.
3: There is simulations you that are. You can.
0: And it has everything to do with who's saying it.
3: No, I'm talking about fire. The credibility fire of the instructor? Fire. I'm, I'm talking about well, feeling the heat. I'm talking about when no, no, talking, yeah, you're talking. Okay, you you not that's, that's not That's running. what I'm talking about.
0: That's not book Right.
3: No, but, yeah, but that's because we're lacking in the fires like they were. You're trying to teach somebody that isn't going to those on a regular basis. You, you can't teach that. But also the dynamics of the fires are changing too. I
1: mean, there's more hydrocarbons and everything that's yes. in there. So they, they, mm-hmm. there's things that have changed, and we can't always use the same tactics. We, we still them with
3: that. Yeah, we we're we're just having to increase the GPMs, which we've done that. Right, we've done that a lot with the change of hose and nozzles. Right. I mean, and
1: you, with a with <clears> a, a business on on giving classes and giving things like that, I mean, are you able to replicate to a level that you feel that these you're giving these guys what they need in lack of having experience? Right? Are you able? Yes. to educate them.
3: If it, yes, you can do through live fire training. You can give them as realistic as. Possible to have a controlled environment, training that they need that they can take as, with experience.
0: I just, I think all of that's dependent on the instructor. Of course. And I not just on the talent of the instructor, but there's a reputation, the yeah. credibility, that, education. Exactly. Yes. And that, that instructor that's telling me don't do this or do this, has 20, 25 years, whatever, in a you know situation where they've seen a lot, and I know you know. And we've all had them in our mm-hmm. in our experience, those people in the department where if that person said Absolutely. Come you out. need to do this, right, that, it was it. I, I used to joke I had a lieutenant that if he told me to go in naked, I'd i go okay Absolutely. and start stripping, you know. I mean it, it was I had that much faith in his maybe a little We much all much had mentors. <laughs> we've all had
3: mentors on the job that we knew had credibility. Right. That so that we it, latched onto.
0: That education, that, that type of education is dependent on, you know. If you if you end up going and taking the exact same live fire training, but it's somebody who is two years in the fire service oh. and was assigned to training after they came out of the fire, you know the recruit school. <clears throat> I'm, I'm gonna go take the class if they tell me to, but I'm kind of you know.
3: You're leaning toward the credibility, and that I everyone, am. <laughs> a, an instructor has to build credibility. Yeah, and I've talked to many people. And
0: but, how, but how do they do that?
3: You start small.
0: Uh, Well, and I think there's a there's a a large part of this, and it's a it's a discussion on your credibility within the department. I think that you get endorsed by others, and that endorsement carries a huge part of your. You know,
2: I I mean, I had
0: I had a senior, a senior captain that basically kind of endorsed me. He didn't, you know, he basically put his arm around me and said to the rest of the department, "This guy's okay." And that took me a, a good little way. I've like actually seen of, you do that. You know, What's
3: that?
1: Endorse individuals, bringing them on. Oh, you absolutely. Know, people that, sure. you know. Oh, absolutely. Just by virtue of working. You want to give them the nod. It. Sure. And I want
3: the nod.
0: And they've, they've lasted a year at Rick Station. Mm-hmm. So they must be pretty jam up. And then when they end up somewhere as a lieutenant, they, they bring that with them.
3: Uh-huh. That was the goal. Yeah. That was the goal. Give them something to take with them for the rest of their career.
1: Right, but it was also your word of endorsement, like you said, that kind of they, they realized by working with you and interacting with you, if you didn't shun them and quickly you know, put them in a hole or, or, or you, send them you know, to fill in
0: every shift. Somebody got a pumper's license while they were assigned at your station. Well, that person knows how to pump a truck. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of an endorsement.
3: Yeah, and it's, but I think the problem is, is that now that these conferences and these train seminars and whatever have become – the thing of the norm, there's a lot of them out there, a lot of them. And people, people want to get involved. And I think it's great for a younger guy to say, you know, I want to get involved with this and I want to start teaching. Well, if you haven't built the credibility within your department, um, and maybe you're teaching, just for an example, you're teaching ladders, but yet you've never been on a ladder truck, then people know that. And unfortunately, the bad word gets out within a department or gets in with multiple departments because everybody, there's departments that multiple agencies work within, like a local department that's part-time. Word, negative word spreads like wildfire. Positive word spreads very slow in anything. If it's a good thing, it takes forever. If it's a bad thing, it takes a week. And before you know it, you'll be getting calls from people in another state that's all the way at the other end of the United States. What right. in the world happened? Right. So um, negative feedback is worse than positive feedback. And in that an endorsement, and you're teaching something that you probably have never even done yourself. People are gonna know that when they take your class. And I think because they wanna get involved, but the question is, which is what Hatch said, is how do they start? I think you start within your company. And I tell people that. Just start with your guys. Let them be your guinea pigs. Then work out from then. Right. Different companies, different companies, different companies, recruit classes. And then maybe these little conferences that you would ad- adjunct with another guy that's probably got that endorsement already.
0: Get some experience.
3: Get some experience under your feet. And then, but you got guys that are teaching, they've taken one class. So all right, I'm going to start teaching yeah, I get that a lot. Of, I get a lot of guys, young guys, coming up to me
1: talking about, you know, I can't believe this captain messed this up, or I can't believe this company was messing this up, blah blah blah. And I'm like, all right, put together a class and teach them. If you if you guys know this so well, teach it. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah. you know, get get out there, show them what you know. If if they're not doing well, well, you know, let's get you out there. And a lot of guys wanted to be the ones on the sidelines, you know, pointing the fingers. Oh, but absolutely. As, as soon as it talk, talks about getting their hands dirty, is when they start, you know, quieting. Well, you know. I want you to fix it. I just want to bring the problem to you. We talked about that on right, the yeah. way over here, you know, and I'm all for it. You're right. It is a problem. I'm only one, one person. I can only fix so much at a time. I need your help. You, you're saying this is a problem.
3: Have at it. Let's go get it. Well, the biggest example of that is for a first due company officer that made a decision in fire and things went wrong, whatever the case may be. And the second due or the third due come in and said, I would have done it like this. Bro, you, you weren't there making that decision, that right. split second. That's not fair. That is not right. fair. And there's so much of that in a critique. Um, there, we can gain so much from what we call a post-incident analysis versus a critique. And Patch has done it very well. But there has to be brutal honesty if we're going to truly learn from this experience. But yet also throw a softball and say, look, you know, we understand we're going to make mistakes. We've all been officers before, and we've all made bad decisions. And thank God everyone's, but did we learn from that decision? Absolutely. Now, whether we want to admit, and the problem is with the youth and the egos, there's a lot of egos in the fire service. There's a lot of egos in public safety, I should say, right? So whether you can actually admit to yourself that you made a mistake, that's the only way you're going to grow as an officer. Or as a fireman, right? Getting getting outside your comfort zone. No, just admit the fact that, you know what, I made a bad decision. Right made a bad decision to learn from it yeah I absolutely
2: tell you what we have to learn from our mistakes I'm I'm impressed with some of the things that you've brought up just two of them from an officer standpoint one is that you really talked about you got to get outside your comfort zone I think that's huge I think that is that I'm glad to hear you say that I'm 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 being honest with I like that I also like the fact that you say you know what you got to be real and when you mess up you mess up yeah it's okay yeah yeah absolutely yeah, you may get a tongue lashing. Who cares? But you didn't get burnt. Right.
3: You know? What's just learn friend? from you, it? Man, Our that's gross. Says, uh, they won't take your birthday and they can't eat you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're going to hurt your... It, you know what? And we've made... How many times have we gone and kicked ourselves as an officer back to the office and think, God. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Wish
2: I hadn't done that. Oh,
3: I did it a thousand times. Yeah. Whether it be you took the first line in and the, and the first dude came in and, and they were securing a water source and you just say, bro, I'm, I'm taking the first line in and you just took their fire from him. Or, I don't know, I, I, we can go on forever for that, but there's just so many times I've kicked myself thinking, God, that was a bad mistake. But I learned from it. And I admitted the fact. Right. I, mean, I think was, that's huge, because I think be so many even people, people do Whether they're calling that second dude or the first dude and saying, bro, I, I apologize. That wasn't a gentleman. It, I was a barbarian, I was doing <laughs> a barbarian. <laughs> that, was, that was being a dick. That's, <laughs> that's, a, a, that's a New York thing. <laughs> Yeah. Do it I mean, like a gentleman, not like a barbarian. Absolutely. I mean it really truly. And there there's a lot being said with that. And that up there, it's I don't understand and if we're we're gonna talk New York, is I've learned so much from going to these classes from these guys only because they have that experience that we that we want. They go to jobs on a regular basis of all kinds of different and they deal with you know, they're their population is, what, 12 million and ours is 4 million, you know. Their density is, and their building construction, the age and the challenges that they deal with, and the R&D that they go through, such as the bailout system, yeah. more in depth than any other department. But yet we don't want to learn from them because, oh, that's just the way they do it. That, we, don't, we don't do it that way. Well, let's learn from that. Right. Let's learn from that. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, we're not right. reinventing the wheel, because believe me, they've done R&D in anything, and that's why whatever they have, everyone wants. Because, not only because it's FDNY...
2: Ooh, well, the work went in the background.
3: But because the work went into the background of knowing that that is a good product. I guarantee you, through the just in the bailout system, and now the new roof rope, which I'm sure you've all heard about the, the roof rescue they just recently did, they've all... So, they learned from that. They've learned from it a long time ago, but and they're in the changes of that. But still, the, the R&D that goes into any decision that they make with what they have is relentless. And not from just guys because they politically got into a position, because it's trusted guys that they realize that are senior guys, and pull in the masses of all different areas of the department that says, you know, I want your feedback, your feedback, your feedback, your feedback, I want to put it through this, put it through this, put it through this to make it, whatever scenario you can quite possibly get into to whatever the, the product is, the R&D is relentless. And, and their lack of communication and the, the tactics and assignments and stuff that they've done that just, it's effortless. Um, we can learn from it, but unfortunately there's that that wall that departments want to say, nah, we don't do it that way.
2: Yeah. We don't right? play well in the sandbox. Yeah.
3: And we can learn. And that's,
2: that's
0: I guess it's egos. That's exactly what it is. Egos are getting in the way of the department. That's like,
3: oh,
1: damn. What'd
0: you do? <laughs> we can't change culture.
3: We can't change
1: culture with an ego. Yeah. Whole room's full of metal, and I picked one that's going to fall off. <laughs> All right, so we're going to bring this thing, uh, trying to bring it, the ball across the goal line. We're almost done here
0: uh, with the – Pivot, pivot. Questions? I think he's his name is actually pronounced Pivo, but P-vo? it's spelled Pivot. So,
2: oh, I thought it were actually just pivot questions. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> I didn't know we, we attached gotta, it to somebody. Took it
0: to, no, this guy developed this question. I we should you never have really used the question. Should have <laughs> <laughs> education versus. Okay, well, let's answer it. If we didn't answer
3: it, so the, uh, the opinion between what's important, experience or education. I think experience by all means. For me, I think we've gone, as the departments nationwide, gone to certificates versus, educate, versus experience.
1: But how do you quantify experience? And this is what we talked about. You could have a guy on 25 years in a very slow department who hasn't gotten out of his comfort zone at all. And then right. you could have a guy who... Well, then he doesn't
0: get the position. Who,
1: but, but how do you quantify it? That's what I'm saying. 25 years of experience. Uh, yeah, what does what's that mean? Experience? It's you know, so
0: subjective. It is subjective. You know? subjective. Just because he's
1: been on for 25 years doesn't mean he's been doing the same thing that a guy who's been on less time, who's been putting himself out there and really trying to get, be aggressive about learning. Um, and I think that's the problem why we see so much advancement go to people with the education because it's quantifiable. I mean, they, they, they can say, I have this certificate, this degree, this whatever, as opposed to I can't go in and say, I went to this big fire, I went to this big fire. No, no it's, this big
3: fire. it's I'm not saying I'm not saying just because you have certificates, you don't deserve where you're no, no, I know. It I know. Is an, or education. I believe, truly, I wish I had more of an education um, to develop more in writings and books and articles. I see all these guys doing these articles that I want to do so bad. But because of the lack of education, I can't put it into words. I see guys in their Facebook posts that's four paragraphs long and you think, that would
2: take me two weeks to, to develop that in you're an educated manner. You're probably selling yourself a little short, but too. But
3: it's important. So I'm not saying, by all means, I'm not discounting education. Education is very important. But if I was to make a promotion based on a guy that had 25 years' experience in a busy company, now, you say quantifiable, and no certificates. You never, I don't know what certificate, maybe you got some online education. I'm going to put him in that position as a battalion chief, because he's been in busy companies, first two companies, whatever, he's going to be my battalion chief because he's seen it and done it, and I can trust him in his decisions. Versus this guy that says he's been at the airport his whole life, or a small, a slow company. He's never, he's never. There, there are within every department busy companies. There's, there's busy areas of every of every department, whether it be this. It doesn't matter right way. Right. No matter where. There's going to be busy areas that people want to gravitate to that are the type A personalities that want to advance their education in the fire service. And that's – so this is the guy, because he's put forth this kind of effort, deserves that position. Not because this guy said, oh, I'm just going to get my education online. I'm going to sit at the airport, and I'm never have to run a call. I'll just be happy and get all these educations on their computer. What is he? – he's done nothing to educate himself. But we're going to give him a position – no, absolutely not. So you have to... And then that, that also gives people the motivation to go to these classes and get the education. through Not through all experience. I'm not saying 100% experience because we already determined you're not going to... Even if it's if it's a smaller department that doesn't do a tremendous amount of firefighting, then it's still a, a busier guy that's, that's advanced himself to get into that busy company to get the experience, even though it's two fires a year. If that, that's all they do, then... He's got the experience they need. Now, if you've got a department that's doing a lot of fires every year, and he's not worked his way toward a busy company and tried to get that experience as a first do and try to become a, a truck captain and an engine boss and whatever ride the seat on the car um, to learn that, then he gets a position because he's put himself out there and worked hard to get it. Not the guy that's been at the airport his whole career and done nothing but get an education over the computer. It's useless. In my opinion, that's useless. Means absolutely nothing to me. Just my opinion. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's your opinion. Why are y'all looking at me like I'm speaking Greek? No, is this it's bad. No, it's not. Oh, it's just no. the beauty of it. It's no. your opinion.
2: Yes. We got, We asked you to do it for a reason. We want to know what your opinion is. Yeah. yeah uh, it's okay. That, that's my take on It's not on right it or it. wrong. It's just your opinion. Yeah. It's good. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs> so, what's your uh, favorite word on the fire ground? Water on the fire. Water on the
1: fire.
3: What's your least favorite word on mayday, 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 mayday. Yeah, Who yeah. doesn't? I, I would I would agree with that
1: one. Uh,
3: that's that's a oof.
1: What motivates you? Wow.
3: What motivates me to do what? Be better? Yes. The nod? Mm. The nod? Mm. I want a guy that's got yep. I want a guy on the job, a senior guy that says, you know what, Rick? You're a good fireman. You think, wow, he just told me I'm a good job. I'm a good Jake. That's, I want the nod.
2: That's awesome. right? Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, that. we do that for that
3: very reason. We don't do it for bragging rights. We don't do it for to go to the bar and say, I've done this, done that. We do it because we want to be acknowledged by our peers that we are good at what we do.
2: And you, and you felt something yep. from it. You felt good about it. Absolutely. I want the nod. That's awesome. I agree. That's, that's awesome.
1: What's your favorite book? <laughs>
3: 20,000 Alarms.
1: 20,000 Alarms.
3: It's by a, a, a lieutenant that was a thefting Y. Um, I only read like half of it.
2: Um, <laughs> what was your favorite half book?
3: But it's all <laughs> 10,000 Alarms.
2: No, so
3: <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I only got the 10,000 of them. But it's it's just a book on nothing but war stories. And I, and I read it young. And it was a, it was a captain's book that um, a guy given it to loaned it to me and of course it takes me like six years to read a (laughs) 20 page novel just finished it and I was happy he's like bro I need I need to get that book back here you go and actually I think my wife found it on um, Amazon if I'm not mistaken it's somewhere in a a drawer and
1: uh, (laughs) And that
3: goes back to to the question yes reading is so important because that but uh, I don't really it's hard to get me to sit down to read just your personality, your yeah, DNA, just, it's just go, go, I go. Can't, I can't sit down for longer, and I, I don't sit and watch sports because it takes me too long to sit in front of a TV to watch. So we're
2: lucky
1: that we've actually got you sitting I, down this really? long. No, <laughs> we're talking shop. I can sit and talk shop all day long. What, uh, what profession would you like to do uh, if you weren't a firefighter? Teaching.
3: Teaching. Really? I, I, I know, I, that does, and people always say, what? I would love to be able to sit in front of a classroom as a professor. With just a lot of people educating them. I
1: can see that, especially when, what you're doing it basically in your you know, yeah.
3: business. It I mean, you know, it's small. about it. I mean, I would, it, it, it that would be so far out of my comfort zone, it really would. And I've started small with the building construction class where I worked, um, taught a ton of those classes, and the numbers got bigger and bigger as you feel more comfortable with the subject that you're teaching. It's just a comfort, it, it's a comfort knowing. I know building construction, I, I, that that is one of my passions, and I feel comfortable teaching it, but when you have your peers in that audience, there is, there is, and I heard it from another instructor um, that I was talking to at a conference at the FDIC, and he said that he, it was his first class, and these well-known instructors came in, and he said, he just, he said, man, I bet you I lost all the color of my face. He said, I was so nervous. Because I wanted to get the nod from these guys,
1: right. he was intimidated by their presence. He was very right. intimidated
3: by their presence, and he said after the class, he basically went up to him and said, "Hey, what'd you think about the class?" And the of just turned off and said, "It's
2: all right." <laughs> <laughs> damn! Not what I was I looking for. Yeah. yeah.
3: So you know, it's, I'm sure. You, but again, that's where your ego's come in. You're like, I can do a better class than that. You know, he, does, he delivers a fantastic class, but. Um, wow! But yes, I would love, I would love to be able to do that. I, I, I really, to be honest with you, I sit in church, and I look at the preacher, and I think, man, he's sitting there talking for all these
2: people. <laughs> I it's could skinny. do that. I could do that. I would like to do that. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna make you the keynote awesome. speaker at FDI. Oh, they are gonna bring man, you up on you stage. What song that. are they gonna play? Oh, Crazy like Train. Because
1: you're what Crazy Train? Crazy Train. That's pretty good. Yep, <laughs>
2: that's, that's pretty good. If
3: you're with me, you are on a crazy ride. I've been on. I'm, Oh, well, I, know.
1: I, I know. I've, I've been. You've been a part of that ride. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow really... we ended up being tractor salesmen at a FDIC conference. I don't know what that, how that transpired. We were I, also I looking for a naval station in the middle of
3: Indiana.
1: <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah, we had that uh, bus of driver new... all turned around.
3: <laughs> I, I learned a couple new jobs. At oh this yeah. Last conference that we went to, a blimp pilot. That's a good one. <laughs> and a lighthouse attendant.
2: Ah. Oh. Very lonely job,
3: but it's very difficult, especially when you got to change out the light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So the other one is usually uh, at your retirement. How do you want to be remembered? So now you are retired. So what is the legacy that you're looking, that you hope that
3: you left? I was a good fireman. I want people to say, you know, it, the old adage, and this is just again, this brings back to my opinion. If there's a girl. The, Where I your wife going is gonna be serious. mad or so there is the ugly girl in school, right? There's always there's always that girl that you say, she's got a great personality. She right. really does. She's a great person. Same with a fireman. Someone says, Hey, what do you think about Rick Myers? It's a good guy. He's good a good guy. Nice guy. He's a good guy. What does that tell you? We talked about this before. Right? What does that tell you? He's got a good personality. He is not a good fireman. Not very pretty. If someone asked me, and my wife asked me, she says, do you know any good firemen? I said, I know a lot of good firemen, but I'm not going to give you that nod unless I know you're a good fireman. You know, question. Is that guy a good fireman? So when people say, "Hey, you remember Cat Myers? You remember Rick Myers?" Yeah, he's a good fireman. That's what I want to be known as. And as an officer, I mean, we—that—that's—I think that covers the full spectrum of the job, because that, in the capacity I was operating in. He's a good fireman, he's a good chief, he's a good special ops, whatever. You that's know. the ultimate knot. The ultimate. That's the ultimate knot. As an officer, I wanted to be able to, to give the guys something they can take with them is to become officers, and I always challenged them. I always kept them out of their comfort zone knowing that I was always in my comfort zone and no one ever challenged me. So I always challenged my guys, whether it be teaching classes, whether it be on videos, and we did training minutes, and that was one thing I initiated, which was great, and I always got the guys involved in front of the camera because that they didn't even know I was preparing them for oral interviews that are in front of a camera. Mm. And getting that comfort zone where, you know what, I feel comfortable with that red light coming on.
2: Yeah, That
3: is one of the most, for me, been in front of interviews, camera, TV cameras. The minute that red light comes on, it is like whew, complete dry out, my mouth's dry, I can't talk, it's miserable. <laughs> where am because I? you know millions of what people. What do I do with my hands? My, yes. <laughs> So, but I wanted to, in doing that, that educated them and prepared them for the future. And I wanted people to know, you know what? I learned that from Kat Myers. I, I wanted them, great. you know what I mean? I wanted them to say, whether it be even on the job and training, whether it be doing hose, whether it be whatever. I just say, you know what? We, we, we drilled in this. That went into my Rolodex when we were doing drills with the company that I was with, Kat Myers. So something to take, to give them, to take forward not just reading SLPs at the, at the muster table in the mornings. And that wasn't – my training was not that. And that's where chiefs used to always tell me in my evaluations that I'd have every year, you got to do more admin, Captain. I said, you know what? Admin, they can call someone and say, i got a question. I used to call Hatch, hey, what's that word? How do you spell that word? I can call him with that, but can I call him in a, in a fire scene when I make a split-second decision that could quite possibly fi- kill me and four other guys or five other guys or four companies? No, we can't, throw that, we can't throw that mistake in a trash can. So admin to me was always secondary. My, my training was, what, are, what is our risk versus benefit? So, do we have any life left? We can go on.
2: <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, we're
1: we're going to go ahead and close it out. But, man, I tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure being out yeah. here and then talking to you. Yeah, I so appreciate you uh, taking your time on your having, busy schedule. Yeah, I love
3: having people in the shop.
1: You, I love talking uh, shop. Do you have it. a
0: website you want to plug real quick?
3: East Coast Rescue Solutions.com. There
0: we go. Good. And you're planning on being at Massey 2017? Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Absolutely. Good. good. Plan and on being going. in Vegas
3: in a couple weeks. Going to Daytona. or we're we doing the High Rise Conference. Oh, right, in uh, just use they're using a door. Okay. Isaacson, Cur- Isaac- Pensacola. Or whatever? Pensacola. Can yeah. Can't, yeah. Can't I'm just going for vacation. They're using the props. Yeah. We're,
1: try, we're trying to plug all your dates. <laughs> no. You're like, really like a comic or something like, <laughs> yeah. when you go ahead and tell all your yeah. dates? Uh, we're busy. We're I'll busy. be appearing here at the yeah. Laugh Factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, buddy, I, I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully everybody will uh, get a lot out of this. I'm honored. Uh, definitely, if you if you listen to the podcast, you know, shoot us some feedback. Go to the Facebook page. Go to uh, the...
0: We're actually going to be creating a email address specifically for the podcast yeah and we want to hear feedback
1: coming. we want to hear you know things from you uh who do you want to hear questions you may have questions you want us to ask people things like that we definitely want to hear some feedback from individuals.
3: absolutely we, we, you know we i am trying to be as candid but yet politically correct as possible you did an excellent yeah, I think job you did really
2: good yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Very really good. harnessed
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll cut one loose for too long
1: we'll see you next month all right